0: Hello and welcome to the Coming Out of the Basement podcast for the first week of June 2012. I'm your co-host Carlos, and with me is your co-host BJ. But wait, there's more. Today we have special guest hosts, Ellie, JJ, and Rick. Hey all. Hello. Hello. So we brought them on here today to talk about our special mystery topic, 80s DJs. So I know my favorite growing up was the Mad Mexican on KBFM 104, The Hot Number how about you all okay okay not really <laughs> um first I, i'm sorry about the delay this week uh my grandfather passed away so i am currently in my hometown of edinburgh in south texas so if we have any kind of major network issues it's probably entirely my fault and i apologize for that uh, but no i thought it'd be awesome to get together and get a bunch of people on and talk about things that we really like which uh, tends to be games
1: and the benefit is, is I think everyone here has been kind of invested in some of the topics we've covered in the past. Be it the um, how to run Dungeons and Dragons, the sexism in comics, the you know video game stuff. So everyone has a personal interest or, or investment in each one of the topics we've covered. So that's always nice. And I'm a yeah.
2: groupie, so <laughs> I, I'm just following you guys everywhere.
1: Wow. See, I didn't, I
0: didn't know that. I, I, I feel a little awkward now.
2: Yeah, I made T-shirts. Uh, oh, sweet. Um,
0: so we uh, let's let's catch up on some of the news from the past podcast uh,
1: Avengers BJ Avengers got beat it's a sad day big Willy. big yeah. Willie beat us um, and it was going to um, I mean Avengers still did well um, it got like 75 percent of what minute black 3 got um, and minute black 3 did not top um, 100 million this week and I think they barely broke like 60 or something like that I'll have to go back and check.
0: Yes, uh Men in Black 3 did did a really solid did solid, but it didn't do nearly as well as they had hoped it would. So it didn't quite meet the predictions that it would make, but it still was enough to get higher than Avengers. Avengers is still an awesome movie, and
1: I still have no desire to see Men in Black 3, but you know, maybe that's just me. We have two horrible friends who do not understand the glory of Avengers and and we do not speak their name, much like Voldemort. <laughs> do, are is anybody here going to watch Men in Black 3 at the movies? Probably no. not. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you can see the interest is already sparked for this amazing cinematic adventure. I mean, right. uh, out of sounds... the, the three people guest none of them want to see it.
3: I will probably catch it on video. My family tends to be really big uh, Will Smith fans, so I will probably see it eventually.
2: I was going to say it sounds like a good Netflix to me. Yeah, I was going to say I'll catch it when
0: it's on television in like five years. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, you're always, like, w- like one or two steps behind, like, anything. Well, I don't, watch T- I don't watch TV, so... Well, there's, yeah, that's that's a good point. But, like, in video games also, you kind of, you know, you wait to, to play a video game for a little hey, while. Before hey, I just started Arkham Asylum. You know, that's a really fun game. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The first one, not Arkham City, but Arkham Asylum? I, that... Oh,
0: wait, no, actually, I did start. I, I beat Arkham Asylum, like, a month ago, and now I'm actually going to Arkham City, so yes. Oh,
1: oh wow, okay. <laughs> that's... <laughs> yeah.
0: So other other weird, weird movie news that happened since last time, uh, G.I. Joe, which I'd seen advertising for and, you know, they did a big Super Bowl commercial for apparently, got delayed nine months, I think.
1: What? Yes.
0: G.I. Joe was going to be coming out next month, and Paramount went ahead and delayed it for nine months, uh, which they say that was in order to uh, make it 3D, but still seems kind of weird.
1: Well, it's probably because they don't want to go up against Batman is my best guess.
0: That's what I would guess too, but very, very strange that that I've never seen that happen with a movie because they've been doing the advertising, they've been doing the marketing, Hasbro's got toy lines coming out, but nope, pushing back nine months, so I don't... mm -hmm.
1: Let's let's take a look at the numbers here. Like, what's the last Hasbro film to go up against a comic book film? Battleship. Battleship. Relatively tanked and i use that in in air quotes because it still made you know hundreds of millions of dollars but in in the grand scheme of things the hasbro movie battleship tanked and compared when it was released against avengers and so this next hasbro movie because they're both from the same toy line going up against another comic book you know mega mega blockbuster they're just probably worried that it's going to tank again yeah that would be my guess as well
0: yeah um other weird news that happened: uh, Kurt Schilling's studio, uh, Studio Thirty Eight, which is the video game studio out of Rhode Island, fired everybody last week, and they're the ones who did Kingdoms of Amalur.
1: I heard about that, and, and everyone's shocked by that move,
0: right? And uh, apparently, because they, they had borrowed. Crazy amount, I think around $75 million from Rhode Island, which they couldn't pay back, and they had to declare bankruptcy. But they were working – I mean originally, Kingdoms of Amalur was supposed to be a an MMO, and they were apparently working on a new MMO with the studio, but they ended up going bankrupt. So there's a lot of uh, pretty good designers and artists and stuff looking for jobs right now uh, be- as a result because it came as a surprise to everybody
1: and i heard that conversation like they wrote a check to the government you know for like 1.4 million and basically said this this won't go anywhere right this, this right. you can't cash this cuz it's not worth anything it's not worth the the paper it's written on
0: yeah so and i read that in order for them to have been profitable um, kingdoms of amalar would have had to sell something like 4 million copies so <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what the what the idea was there, but it wasn't looking good. And I think somebody in Rhode Island government resigned because they borrowed money from the government. So, yeah, it's, it was kind of an ugly situation. So, you know, wish people the best of luck. We'll see what happens. Other firing news, BioWare has apparently fired some people here in the Austin office. Yep, yep.
1: Always Because uh, I was really hoping that the BioWare Austin office, you know, they did um, – Part of it's probably because the last couple things they did have not turned out as well as they hoped. DC Universe Online um, didn't go as well as they were hoping, and um, what was the other big one that the Austin office did? Well, the Austin office they did Star Wars. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah DC Universe Online was Sony.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they did they did Star Wars. That was that was the big one, and it's been reportedly losing numbers uh, pretty dramatically. So.
1: Yeah, and well, I mean, Bioware's. We've already gone through my Mass Effect rant, so I think Bioware's having a lot of problems in general,
0: right? And uh, the last thing that I want that I had on my list to mention was the D and D Next public playtest is out, and my guess is we will talk about that in detail in a future episode. But uh, we've already gotten some responses, we've gotten some more posts from it, and we've had people actually see some of the rules of the playtest. Um, I'm partially released from my NDA now, so I can say that I've been playtesting the D&D Next rule set since January as part of the friends and family rules. Um, you can read about my experience at koboldquarterly.com. Um, one of my, I'll probably have something up there at some point, and one of my, some other of my party members has something already. Um, the fighter in my group uh, posted his his sense of how it went. If you go to koboldquarterly.com right now, it's on the front page. But if you go later on, search for the word meat spray. You'll find it.
1: <laughs> meat, meat spray, okay. Um, yeah. Don't Google that though, because you might find yeah. some other horrible no, things. So no, just no, no. be make, careful.
0: Make sure you search
1: on koboldquarterly.com.
0: But yeah. basically, our fighter was insane. It, it was. It was. That was his nickname, which was well deserved.
1: <clears throat> and I've been reading through a lot of the playtest rules and and kind of monitoring some playtests of it and stuff. And and uh, we'll we'll get into it some other time. Long story short, I'm not thrilled, but we we kind of knew that was going to happen. So. Right, and I I, I I am more thrilled, but uh, there, one,
0: one thing that I'm hoping that happens is they actually release all of the rules because there's a lot of rules missing in what they've given people so far that I think will answer some of the uh, worries that people have, but we'll see. There's a lot of uh, context missing, yeah. There's a ton, yeah. So, um, all right, so first off, we are going to, I think, talk about board games today, unless you had any other news. Anybody have any news they want to share whatsoever? This is your chance.
1: Yeah, bring it up now. I mean, we can talk about the zombie be in miami or whatever no okay, okay. you're good <laughs> okay so board games we uh, we had a big board game uh this weekend you brought the um lords of Waterdeep board game and this is something that wizards of the coast is getting into in releasing their their de- dungeons and dragons intellectual property they've been releasing board games to go with it um of course there was the uh the Tower of oh God. What was it? Um, Ravenloft. Mm-hmm. Ravenloft. Yeah, the, the Tower of Ravenloft. They did. Yeah, they did Castle Ravenloft.
0: They've done. Um, they did uh, the Wrath of Ashardalon. They've done the Legend of Drizzt. They did a a war. Game. The the fourth game they put out, I actually never played, so I don't recall what it was called. But it was more of a war game um, type game. And then the most recent one is Lords of Waterdeep. <laughs>
1: And Lords of Waterdeep is mo- meant to be more of a strategy game. It's not meant to be like a dungeon um, simulator, because that's what the um, Castle Ravenloft is. You you play d d type characters, but they take all their customization out, and you're just playing Dwarf Fighter, blah 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 Cleric, and you, you go through it, and it's just a few levels. This one, instead, you're In any Dungeons & Dragons game, you're going to get to a point where you go to a tavern and you're like, Barkeep, what's going on? And they kind of give you some adventure or something like that. You're playing that guy, a mover and shaker within Waterdeep who's trying to go up the ranks and become the Lord of Waterdeep. Um, And so everybody is a Lord of Waterdeep, but nobody knows which lord you are. You kind of keep it hidden the entire time, working towards objectives.
0: Right. In the game terms, the Lords of Waterdeep is ruled by basically the secret cabal of power players. And you are playing one of those secret lords and you're, and you're doing things to try to gather influence and gather power in order to get, uh, in, in order to basically win, become the, the biggest power player in the, in, in the Lord, in Waterdeep. Um. It is since it's in Waterdeep, it is tied to the Forgotten Realms, and some of the lords you'll, you'll, you might recognize some of the names if you're familiar with the uh, fiction, some of the lords and characters. One of them being like Kelvin Blackstaff, who's a famous Forgotten Realms wizard. Um, and you, you can see the you know it is a map of Waterdeep uh, when you look at the at the game thing. It's it's made it's a really nice setup as far as just like actual game pieces and putting stuff together and putting stuff away. Really impressed with it. It has one of the best boxes for, you know, if you play games a lot, it's all these little pieces that get all over the place, and you don't really have a good way to store them. You no, know, this this box, that was actually super impressive. I'm so happy about that. They have little sections for every little thing that you punch out, every little piece, every little token has a place to go. Really easy to store, really easy to get out and play. So that was very cool.
4: Until the expansion comes out anyways,
0: I know they actually have room on the ex- for the expansion on the board, and mm. actually in, in the rule set it says this is for a future expansion
3: <laughs>
1: so they tried to take some foresight into account as they designed the whole thing
0: yes, but that that is going to happen. I wanted to mention so um, it is like like BJ mentioned it's very different from the other adventure games that they've typed don- that they've done before um, which I I found the other adventure games, Ravenloft and Ashardalon are the ones that I played, uh, really difficult. And in fact, I actually didn't really learn the strategy to play them until I played with Rick here and saw how he did it. And that's how I learned how to play Castle Ravenloft, basically, go through as fast as you can is basically the, the strategy that ended up working. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but this game is very different. It's it's a it's a resource management type game. You play these lords. You get a certain amount of gold. Uh, you can use gold to and, and you can basically you place your little to- you have a certain number of agents. And you work you do the game by deploying your agents to different buildings or different places in the city when they go to these different places they get different benefits so for example, if they go to um, if they go to the docks, you can play what's called an intrigue card. And those can be things that either help you or hinder your opponents. Uh, that, that's that's one thing they can do. They can go to hire an adventurer. So you can go someplace where you'll hire a couple of rogues, or you can go to the mages tower and hire a wizard. Or you can go and hire a cleric, or so on and so on. And when you hire them, you put them in your tavern. That, that you control, and from there, you can send those people out on adventures. So you start out having drawn some, a couple of these entry cards and what are they called quest cards, and these quest cards have certain requirements um, that you, you need to, in order to fulfill them. These quest cards will give you benefits, or these quest cards will... Um, can count towards your victory points. And, and ultimately, the person who wins are the one who has the most victory points. One of the interesting things, though, is that every lord, in, which are secret, you actually hide these from each other, which lord that you're playing... They have you have secret conditions that will give you victory points at the end of the game. So um, even if you are quote unquote losing during the game, it is possible that once you total up everything at the end, you will have won. So everybody's working towards these public things, doing quests in public, playing entry cards publicly, and also going towards their secret goal. It's it's a it's a it's a really fun game. Um, BJ and JJ were there uh,
2: th- this past week. What did you think? Uh, really fun. I had a really good time at it. Um... Well, of course he did. He won.
1: Oh <laughs> well, yeah! Fact, not
2: only
0: did. not only did he win, he he won a lot. <laughs> yes, he did. So um, basic, it's a two to five player game, and we played with five people.
1: Yeah, we had um, you, myself, JJ, um, and then Shane and Scott were playing. And it, the the great thing about it was. A lot of these games because we we play some complicated games right you know we've played the Cthulhu games and we've played the um, there, there's a ton of other stuff that we play on a regular basis and it feels like you have to keep constantly going back and forth with the rules have somebody with the rule book open there you know and and reading through it almost the entire game and I felt with this when Shane did the first read through of the rules, we really didn't have to go back that much no and, and the funny thing is it's it's
0: it's both simple and complex i mean there are certain it is strategically there are a lot of complexities to the game that you can go into but the rules are simple enough that yeah i mean they have a one page rules reference that's pretty solid and yes there are certain things that you'll need to look up in the faq or in the building descriptions because these buildings have different abilities and you might need to know how something works exactly but yeah no it, compared to yeah like arkham horror it it was a lot easier to play in that sense
1: what do you think jj
2: yeah, definitely, it it uh, it grabbed you. You were constantly trying to think of your strategy, what you're going to do next, how it was going to tie in with your lord, and and uh, how you could get ahead of the next guy. Um, and and uh, right, I, you- I think. I think there was two things. One thing specifically was overpowered. The The guy that let you go first all the time. I can't remember what his name was.
0: In, in this particular case, it was the ambassador.
2: The ambassador, that's correct. And he uh, he let you go first every round, and, and that seemed a little bit overpowered. And then, of course, my lord seemed way overpowered. So those are two things I might think of taken out just as home rules, but uh, other than I that, think, I think I, it was I, a I fun think, game. Yeah,
0: I think the ambassador can be dealt with. The character, so... Every character, most, there's, there's different kinds of quests. I think there's, there's either four or five. Um, and every, basically most of the lords get bonus points for completing certain types of quests, except for one. And from what I've read in the forums, this one lord is the one, is the most powerful of all lords. And this lord gets victory points for every building that she owns. And, uh, and JJ was scooping up buildings like no tomorrow during the game.
2: Yeah, I would take that ambassador and then I would go to the build spot. Only one person could build uh per round and, and so anyway, I'd go to the build spot, I'd I'd build and, and uh had five buildings by the end which seemed like a lot. Um and that was a lot of points at the end of the game.
0: Yeah, and there were a couple of things that we ended up doing wrong, actually. Even though the rules were simple, there were two, and and because one in one because it wasn't obvious until we went to the FAQ towards the end of the game, and two we just read it wrong, I think. Um, but I don't think those actually would have had a huge difference in the game. And I, I think uh, Nick, we're actually planning on playing
1: again this coming weekend,
0: uh, and hopefully we'll do it entirely right this time. But yeah, I had a lot of fun. I enjoyed it quite a bit.
1: Even though we played it wrong, we played it consistently wrong to where it actually operated as a decent rule. It just made the game take a little longer than it would have right. otherwise taken. Right. If we
0: played by the rules, we probably would have taken I mean if it wasn't a long game, well, it, what was it? About two and a half, three hours? Which, you know, relative to some other games isn't that long, although it is a bit long. But it shouldn't it shouldn't it would have been even quicker had we played the the other rule right.
1: <clears throat> We're also taking into account first time play, you know, first time play is always right. gonna be longer. It's not like Twilight Imperium long, but it's right. it's long
0: so with the guests here one of the things i wanted to ask you all is what are your favorite board games right now um going alphabetically ellie can we go ahead and start with you
3: sure thing um i was looking at my bgg list so as long as we're counting anything on bgg as a board game sure i've got uh dominion race for the galaxy arkham horror up on my top one so i know i've got two card games in there but um uh yeah, I really like Race for the Galaxy. I think that's my favorite like replaying older game right now.
0: You know, I had a chance to play that game, but I but I I ended up playing something else instead. Can you tell us a little bit about
4: it?
3: Um Like I'm going to pass this to Rick. <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh all right. So Race for the Galaxy is a game in which your objective is to score as many points as possible as is so often the case. Uh, the, mechanic, the basic mechanic is an interesting one where you discard cards in order to pay for costs. And this has the advantages of being sort of fairly intuitive and, a ver- and allowing for a great deal of strategy because you discard uh, the cards that you think you aren't going to need. Um, so each card becomes very valuable as both the card itself or if it's not key to your strategy as a cost to play one of your other cards. So you build up a set of cards in front of you, and the, uh, they do various things, uh, not to go into an entire rules breakthrough. But it's, it's nice because different games play out very differently, and uh, yet there's, a lot of, there's, there's ultimately a little less luck than one might think because you're likely to draw at least some of the cards relevant to your strategy, and then you just use the other ones to play your cards.
0: And you said that was an older game?
4: what is it 2007 or something it's not very old i was gonna guess
3: 2007 yes
4: 2007 and there's been three expansions to it since then uh each expansion increases the complexity and i think somewhat uh increases the role of luck in the game Mm -hmm. Uh, because the deck gets larger you become less likely to draw the cards that are key to a particular strategy uh, the designers are well aware of this, and they sort of made cards that had a larger array of powers later on, but uh, the base game uh, plays very well on its own, um, and uh, it's it's a good game for two players, which is another big advantage. Ellie and I play a lot of games uh, with just the two of us, and it's really useful for that sort of thing, plus it plays well with more players as well.
3: Yeah. Cool. And I'm always looking for ones. I can be a really bad loser. So I'm looking for games that don't put me in that position. So we play a lot of cooperative games. So for cooperative, like I really like Yggdrasil and Arkham Horror. And um, we don't play Pandemic as much anymore. But um, but Race for the Galaxy is a competitive game that I don't get upset playing. <laughs> and I think part of that is like it's easy to teach. It's quick to learn. Um, I get a couple of the base strategies on it. There's some really good um, websites out going into like the really detailed stuff of it.
4: It's also nice because you build up your own little tableau in front of you, your own little thing that you're doing. And you have to interact with other people in terms of choosing roles, which is sort of like a, you know, Puerto Rico type thing. You, you choose it. You choose roles. Uh, but
3: You're not, you're not actively s- attacking each other. Right, exactly. so It really you're- is a race for who can get the most points first kind of thing.
4: Your opponent's success doesn't make you feel like you're doing poorly so much as it's just eventually the game ends and someone wins.
0: That's very cool. We have some friends who really like uh, cooperative games, but those are really hard to find. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe another time we can talk more about the, the ones that you mentioned. We played some of those. I haven't tried Degrasslil yet, but I've heard about it. But uh, definitely something to talk about in the future. And yeah. the, other, the other one you mentioned was Ascension, and what was the third?
3: Um, pandemic. Arkham no, I'm sorry, not, not for
0: cooperative. For your favorite. I mean. oh, oh,
3: for me, I do like Ascension, uh, Dominion, Race for the Galaxy, Arkham. Gotcha.
0: Horror. So yeah, we talked a bit thoughts. about Dominion and Ascension, um, and we really skimmed over them a bit. Um, we might. Let's see if we can go back to that. Uh, we'll talk to JJ real quick. Uh, what favorite game for you right now? or favorite games for you right now.
2: Um, Dominion, of course, is, is up there. Um, just a great game if nobody's ever played it. Um, deck-building game. Uh, like you said, you guys talked about it a couple weeks ago. Um, I chose for my game this evening, though, uh, Power Grid. Um, and even older than 2007, uh, published 2004. It's, um, I guess, it's a kind of a building, network-building type of game. Um, essentially, you... Uh, are building a power grid um, and, and connecting different cities uh, with your power grid. The more cities that you uh, can power and hold, the more victory points you get. And the person with the most victory points um, at a certain point, uh, when a certain card comes up, uh, is the winner of the game. Um, a lot of fun. Uh, two to six players. Uh, most of the time we play this uh, when we come over to my house. Um so we don't overplay it like we've done a lot of the games, uh, like we, we did with Descent and just overplayed that game for, I don't know, how how many months did we play that for like nine months straight?
1: We <laughs> played that a lot.
2: Yeah. How many weekends did we stay up all weekend long trying to make it through one one section? But anyway, um, so yeah, I, I picked Power Grid, um, and uh, I have a lot of fun with that game. It, it kind of combines strategies for two of my other favorite games, which... which um the uh Catan and um what is the rail- railroad tycoon um, both which I really like I don't think I've ever played railroad tycoon with you guys though so
1: I don't think so I think we've played Catan but I don't think we've played tycoon
2: no yeah. and we've definitely played Power Grid so cool
4: thank you very much JJ Rick <laughs> well choosing a favorite is you know a little bit like choosing one's favorite offspring or something like that. But, uh <laughs> I knew
1: you were going to go with that. I, I just, somehow I knew it was going to go to kids. <laughs> um,
4: but I tend to like games with a lot of bits and a lot of finicky little moving things from one area to another. And uh, I'd say one of my favorite games, at least, is Dungeon Lords which is not really for the faint of heart, but it's a very cool game. It's a worker placement game in which you have a – you control a dungeon. And if you've played the Dungeon Keeper video games uh, from, I don't know when those are, like the late 90s, Uh, It's that sort of theme. You you have a bunch of minions, and you have imps that run your dungeon, and you have monsters. And you spend most of the game building up your dungeon and and, uh, uh, collecting traps and monsters and various rooms that do things. And then, twice in the game, a swarm of terrifying do-gooders just trammel all over your nice dungeon and they smash it to pieces and the you know the, the fun thing about the game is you spend all this time just preparing your dungeon then you have to fight off these good these good guys and I it, it, that makes it a little complicated to teach because if you don't understand what's going to happen at that point then you're kind of lost for the rest of the game but it's a really fun game. It's got a great theme. It's got brilliant illustrations, which are sort of very comical and cute evil. And uh, the theme is really built very well into the game, and there's a lot of cool interactions and great strategy. So is it, is it competitive? Because I see that it's two to four players. What, what do different people do? It is competitive. Each player has their own dungeon. And they're largely independent. You interact with the other players in terms of how you place your workers to collect the resources you want. And uh, you interact in terms of uh, whoever the least evil uh, dungeon keeper, dungeon lord is, gets the weakest adventurers. So you're kind of interacting on that level as well. Very cool. Actually, I love Dungeon Keeper. That sounds like a lot of fun. I'll have to check that out. And it looks like
0: it's a 2009 published game. Very cool.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: ha- I'm surprised we haven't tried that
1: yet. Yeah, that that looks like a natural one for, for us to give a go. Yep.
2: Lots of pieces to lose.
1: That's right. <laughs> now, I want to go back, Rick. You were talking about how you like the more finicky games, though the ones that come across as a bit more complicated, have a bit more moving pieces. Uh, I'm guessing stuff like Arkham Horror fits into that and what have you. Um yeah. Not many people. You don't hear people say that that often. More more people tend to like you know the the less complicated stuff that you know, and, and they feel that you know mechanics like that kind of get in the way. What what is it about a a game that has that kind of level of detail in it that that draws you in? Well, let me say that, I
3: uh, Arkham Horror is not a euro. When he says finicky, he means euros. Um, so Agricola, uh, League of Six was a good one we got recently. Lahav, yes. um. So lots of wooden bits, specifically.
4: What I like are games, Mm -hmm. where you can have an entire strategy, an entire game plan, and then you're one wood short, and the whole (laughs) thing just falls apart, and things (laughs) destroy your dungeon, or your people all starve, because you couldn't do the math right and get that one point. And that's an exaggeration a little bit, but I I do tend to like that sort of game, where you're you're keeping track of a bunch of different resources, moving things around. So
1: very Euro. Okay, that's a little bit different than what I was imagining. Then, so I was I was thinking just more like you know moving bits, you know things to keep track of, you know you need this resource, that resource, and what have you. So that's that sounds just a little different.
4: Yes, uh, and I would I think the difference is for me, Arkham Horror is is it's largely a role playing game set to a set to a board, a board exactly. You're playing against a board instead of having a GM, but uh, I like I like role playing games, but it fits into that rubric. You know, it's it's there's a lot of chance, it's it's very much determined by sort of what items you get, and uh it, it's not really as strategic. It's more tactical. You do respond to what's sort of immediately going on in front of you, but uh I would call it a little bit less strategic. Yeah, you
0: might you might give Lords of Waterdeep a try because it is of any of it. When I was playing it, I was actually thinking it wasn't so much a role-playing game made into a made into you know it wasn't a board game role-playing game like Arkham Horror was. It's the other way around. Like those mechanics could really be anything, uh, and, and it does have a lot of little fiddly wooden bits. Also,
3: <laughs> yeah, I was looking through the BGG pictures. It looks right up our alley.
0: Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it is. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, I I really like that. Does anybody else have any game stuff they want to talk about? I think we're going to wait to talk a bit more about Ascension and Dominion. Um, my friend Derek, uh, who was one of the guys who started the, the Coming Out of the Basement uh, blog, uh, really wants to correct me about some things about Ascension and Dominion. So I think we'll try to get him on at some point, too, and join the conversation about that. So we'll talk about those uh, uh, those uh, some other time, I think. Any other games anybody want to recommend or... Uh, Trash? Anything?
3: <laughs> Two other ones I've been enjoying. Um, League of Six and Merchants and Marauders. Um, League of Six is pretty Euroy. y uh, You're running around uh, getting the best village or something. I don't remember the theme of that
4: one. <laughs> League of Six, you're...
3: You're, you're, you're a merchant of some kind.
4: It's, it's, it it's kind really of matter. a pasted-on theme. You're, ga- <laughs> you're gathering up resources and you have to bid on particular cities uh, to determine which... which help determine what goods you get, which you then trade in for victory points yeah. it's very abstract but uh it is fun
3: and merchants and marauders is a pirate slash merchant themed thing it's got great little plastic ships in it they're pretty awesome
4: and that game is very thematic that game is not at all Pacedon themed. thing yeah. it's got a beautiful board it's just this nice shade of blue that makes you happy <laughs> just to look at it
3: so yeah that's two more i would recommend And I think we'd
2: be somewhat remiss if we didn't mention Battlestar Galactica, which has kind of held our attention for the past, I don't know, two or three years.
1: That's Uh, another one we pull out whenever we go to your place.
2: Well, it's when we go to Scott's, but yeah. My kids have eaten all the pieces.
1: Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I did not know that. So,
2: so, So you don't like
0: the fiddly bits quite as much.
2: I, I don't mind them, I, you know. I, I just don't like sticking my finger in their mouth and getting bit trying to get them out. But. <laughs> the problem is that the kids like them. That's yeah, right. yeah. yeah so, they like ba- to play with them. Yeah, sure.
0: Battlestar Galactica is is one of those thematic ones. Um, I have fun with it because I really like being the Cylon. But uh, yeah, it is. It, I, I we have exactly. It.
2: It's a it's a co op game, and except for one person or maybe two people, depending on how many. Uh, people you got playing and then that person the surprise is a cylon and now they're against everybody else and uh,
0: your efforts uh, either secretly or intentionally right. and it's really fun because you have things that you can do as a group to, to out to out or, or capture the Cylon and uh, I love it when people get that wrong because it's just so fun to see you throw someone in the brig or you know jettison someone who isn't actually a cylon
1: that is the one thing I want to give as sort of a caveat if you've got a touchy group um maybe that 's not a great game to play because the first time you eject someone through the airlock, they might take it personally so if you 've got a solid gaming group who can play well together in a in a competitive game like that, then it won 't be a problem
0: right. Any other games anyone wants to mention and I was just thinking one of these days we 're going to have to talk about the worst games ever, but not today. <laughs>
1: Well, oh, you mean Rune Wars? Rune Wars? <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs>
2: See,
0: I didn't, I didn't play Rune Wars, so I, I'd have to hear you guys talk about that. So.
1: Uh you'll have to play it once just to... Really? To, not with us, though, because we're not
2: yeah. going <laughs> to play with you.
1: Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. All right, are we ready to go on to the next topic, BJ? Uh, I'm ready. Um, I don't know if this is, will be... Uh, did, does everyone here play, like, League of Legends or something to that degree? Ev- everyone here has. Awesome. little... So um, one of the up-and-coming games that are or, or game types, you know, for the longest time there's been like the RTSs, real-time strategies, RPGs, role-playing games, um, FPSs, first-person shooters, and and now to kind of add to that genre, right? Um, the the thing that's coming up in the market or they're calling MOBA. Um, which is uh, multiplayer online battle arena. Now it's a very broad topic because um, there's lots that kind of fit into this category, but the the goal is in kind of a pvP fashion, um you know you have your team versus another team, but it's not just a straight out shoot 'em up you know game like counter strike or something like that. There's some strategy involved in the gaming map. The map itself is an incredibly important and significant part of the game. And when you first come to one of these games, you're going to feel a little lost. And the problem is, is that understanding the map and the ebb and flow and, and where certain things spawn and, you know, certain because another part of the game is killing off, um, NPCs, be it like the enemy defenders or a lot of these games have what's called a jungle, and some of it's, it's literally a jungle, and other parts it's just this neutral territory that have creatures you can kill there for money also. And so all of this becomes a lot more about strategy. Um, like, I used to be a big Counter-Strike player back in the day, and Counter-Strike, the strategy was never very robust. It's just always a throw our warm bodies against them as they throw their warm bodies against us. And sometimes you can kind of work out some flanking based off of the maps and stuff, but In the MOBA games, there's a lot more strategy about which champion are you choosing, which lane are you going to be running, um, what kind of a build are you running, what kind of items are you buying. And so all of a sudden, uh, there's a lot more flavor involved, and there's a lot more that you have to kind of work out between the people that you're playing with. Um, JJ and I almost nightly um, play League of Legends together. That's sort of our... Um, flavor of MOBA games mostly because it's free um, and I use that term free kind of loosely they have a rotating roster of free champions that you can um, play each week it changes as you play you earn um, points that you can use to then permanently buy champions to play and then you can buy runes to enhance certain features. The only thing that you absolutely absolutely have to pay money for are the cosmetic things and that 's like skins to make them look you know in a specific way and i 'll add you can actually spend money if you don 't have the the,
0: the i p that that in game currency You can spend money to purchase the characters as well
1: absolutely absolutely the uh, the The money can be used to, in that fashion. And I know plenty of people who do that I mean I do that a little bit myself. Um, but then like our buddy Scott, you know, who out of principles like I'm never gonna pay money for this game, just doesn't spend any cash at all. He just spends all the money he earns from playing with us or all the um, I, what do they call them? they're not we call them sword points, but they're not actually called sword points, but the 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 points that he earns from playing the games with us, that's the only resource he spends. He doesn't spend any actual cash on it. And the reason this is becoming much more important is because this is. One of the first—I don't want to call it like—I I hate to use the word legitimate because that that throws a lot of you know, unneeded context behind it. But there is a culture of online competitive gaming growing up around this. I believe the League of Legends um, championship uh, purse is like a million dollars or something like that. But you know these things are becoming official and officially competitive. One of the big features they worked into League of Legends recently was spectator mode, which is used for watching games, much like you might watch a sports game, right? And so gaming's always been kind of in the fringe a little bit as far as, you know, how seriously it's taken in the media. But the MOBA games are are the way that they're trying to legitimize gaming as a competitive sport and a competitive cyber sport, if you will. It's There's always been a competitive cyber sport between the um, fighter games, right? There's always been like Street Fighter and uh, Tekken and stuff like that have always had a competitive streak to them. Um, that does have purses. And then I know like Counter-Strike has uh, a competitive market also, but those have always been a bit more fringe and never mainstream. The, the MOBA stuff is becoming mainstream. And so well, first what I want to do is kind of go around the table and see what, what games in the MOBA category people have been playing. So Carlos, what have you been playing within the MOBA realm? Uh, League of Legends. I, and like...
0: actually, actually, yeah, I don't, I mean, I've I'll probably try out... Uh dota uh dota 2 when it comes out but right yeah i've I've been playing league of Legends some and actually that's that's an interesting one because that's a game i don't actually play with bjjj scott and and matt who's who's that that group of, of game players
1: i actually play have played that one more with ellie and rick so so let's back up a little bit you mentioned dota dota is defense of the ancients and that's actually where MOBA started from in the first place. It was a mod to Warcraft Three.
0: Um, and right. and, I, and I did play that. I did play the original mods.
1: <clears throat> and so all of this all of this type of game, all this style of gra- game, grew from that one mod for um, Warcraft Three. And so now there's actually an official Defense of the Agents game. Um, and then there 's going to be a uh, they 're calling they 're not calling defense of the ancients but steam 's going to give like a dota two um, there 's champions of new worth um, there 's a few others i know there 's like Monday Night Combat, which makes it a third person shooter futuristic game but it 's still the same three lanes you know you constantly have minions streaming down and then there 's a jungle, but the jungle's actually on like the second level and the weird thing is is they 've introduced commentators so if you play that game there's actually these commentators that will sit there and, you know, will will jabber on about people dying and stuff like that and, or getting shot. And the funny thing is, I thought it was going to be, like, them repeating a lot of the same stuff over and over again, but they gave them a pretty robust list of, of things to, to kind of chat about during the game. All right, so just League of Legends for you. Um, Ellie, have you been... Yeah,
3: just League of Legends for me, too.
1: Just League of Legends? Okay. Rick? Only League of Legends. Oh, boy, this is going to be a short conversation, isn't it? (laughs) So, JJ, I'm guessing League of Legends for you?
2: Just League of Legends, but I'll throw this out there. Um, The uh, Guild Wars 2, some of the Guild Wars 2 stuff we were playing had some of those aspects in there as well in the PvP, which I thought was interesting and I'm looking forward to.
0: I'm trying to remember because I actually played a different game that, that had... A tower defense lane thing just show up and i don't remember what it was now i think it might have even been world of warcraft like something something came and it just switched it to to a lane game but i'll I'll have to see if i can look that up
1: yeah there's i mean there's like lords of chaos online um there's smite um the one i was talking about the futuristic one that's monday night combat um there's a ton of them out there but by far, the most popular ones would be Heroes of New Earth, um, Defense of the Agents, Dota, and um, League of Legends is the most popular one, right? Um, and one of the things, that I think the games are a lot of fun, um, but specifically like in League of Legends, you just need to be a little bit, and this applies to like the, the internet in general, but the community can be a little um, abrasive. Harsh. <laughs> a little abrasive. Um, and so when you're first getting in, I highly recommend playing with their bots. They have a really robust bot system that you can play, experiment with some people. Because the first map you're going to get into and play, uh, they're going to try and rip you a new one. They're going to call you noob. They're going to, you know, why are you doing this? Why would you pick this? Why would you buy that? Right. You know, everyone's going to call it everything that you do.
2: Uh, and you're not even going to know half of what they're talking about.
1: Yeah. And and so for the most part, and and this is applies to most of the activities you participate on the internet with, just don't listen to people, you know. And what, there's a couple of interesting things
0: surrounding League of Legends that I like that are somewhat related to that. One is they have the tribute tribu- tribunal system, so people you can report players for being jerks basically, um, and you can if, once you hit level 30, you can go online and join. Um, and join the tribunal and basically you'll get these reports about people um, and and they'll say okay this person was reported this many times here's here's their chat transcript do you want to you know punish them or pardon them, and basically, they have this interesting system where you you have people who do this and people can get punished or pardoned and those can be either temporary or permanent bans uh, from the game, usually temporary for a certain amount of time and they 'll let people know about that and that's kind of and they reward you for participating by giving you um, what, what what bJ was calling sword points influence points, which is their non monetary based uh, system of purchasing things influence points.
1: And the other thing to keep in mind in that is one of the things you can report somebody for is unskilled player, but that specific report can never get you temporarily or permanently banned. All that can ever do is modify what's called your ELO ranking, right? Your um, It's a, a numerical value that determines where you should be when you're... Um, pit against uh, opponents, right? It's a, a way to say, you know, how skilled you are. And if someone reports you for unskilled, if the entire team reports you for unskilled, the only thing they might do is lower your ranking. They'll never um temporarily ban you or permanently ban you. But if you are a gigantic jerk and you're dropping f-bombs and and making, you know, racial slurs or anything like that, you will get banned. Um, first-time offense is normally a, a temporary ban, but you know if you are reported multiple times and you get multiple uh, temporary bans, they will permanently ban you. And I do like that about it because it creates a self-policing community. The problem with that is, is they have you know thousands of games a day, and and I don't think many people participate in the tribunal just yet.
3: And you can play just with friends, like so that's totally an option within it. Um, and then on. The, the Border House blog has a group where you can sign up and, and be in kind of a safe space. So that's particularly a, a feminist social justice space where they exchange game tags across a lot of different games. And I know League of Legends is one of them. Yeah,
0: I mean, when, I, when I've been playing most, most of the time, I play with people that I know. Not always, uh, but, but a lot of the time I do. Especially if I do PvP stuff, I mainly play with people I know. Um, actually, though, I got to level 30 mostly doing bot games. Um, which it, it's quite different, but it's especially if you're playing with people you know, it can still be it can still be a whole lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um Recently, some people have been doing more PVP stuff of the people that I played with even, so I've been doing a little bit more of that. But no, I got I did a lot just versus, versus bots, and and I've played every single character multiple times. Um, it's yeah, and, and enjoyed it. So,
1: and I think I might be the only person here who's messed a lot with the ranked games. Has anyone played in the actual ranked ladder matches? No.
0: No. no, I've watched people play in the rank ladder no. matches. That's interesting.
1: Boy, I played as, with
2: you like three times.
1: As 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 caustic as it gets in regular play, it gets vicious and in ladder matches because people are very protective of their their ranking system and and if they perceive anyone is you know going to lose the match for them, you know they report twice as often in the ladder matches and and they can be twice as caustic and stuff like that. But some of the greatest victories i've ever experienced some of the, the most satisfying victories have been in the ladder matches
0: and i will say if you haven't if you haven't played league of legends in a while spectator mode is awesome because you can watch the, the, all of the live matches that are going on you can watch your friends matches as they're going on now it is very very cool i i actually often have that on in the background now while i'm doing other stuff uh, the spectator <laughs> matches um, so it, it is it is a lot of fun
1: yes oftentimes you're watching us lose horribly
0: <laughs> no but i've been really impressed the last couple games i saw you all you all you all did really well and did these awesome surprise ganks that were really kind of hilarious so
1: it's this um, high tide, low tide with us because we'll we'll start to do really well and our our general ranking will go up to a point where we start getting matched against people who are way out of our league and then we get stomped back down into the lower ranking system again.
0: Yeah, that's that's one of the fun things with me in that I I don't have a ranking really because I've only played very few PvP games. So whenever I play, it's almost always against people who aren't very good. So yay!
1: <laughs> well, then you need to play with us more. <laughs>
0: yeah, and I, I think Please. you all will I think you all will outrank me there. So, but yeah. It's
1: fun. So I I bring it up because, like I said, this is one of those things that is becoming more mainstream. We're seeing it more and more in the media. And specifically that title, Defense of the Ancients, is is coming under – it's not coming under attack per se, but because it was a mod um, and it was never like anything official for the longest time, the name – Dota became kind of up for grabs, right? So there's a lot of controversy because along with the StarCraft games, um, Blizzard's trying to create an official Defense of the Ancients thing for people to play on. But Valve, in conjunction with IceFrog, is making Dota 2, right? And it's not called Defense of the Ancients. It's literally called Dota 2, Right. And so now this is creating confusion within the community, like which is the official or spiritual successor. It hasn't gone to legal yet, but, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this works out, because this is being considered kind of a big um, financial um keystone for a lot of companies now this this specific game type because it's new right it's been a long time since we've had a new type of game really take hold for the longest time we've had the rts's rpgs you know fps's and this style of game is is relatively new um within the gaming market so and
0: league of legends plays in seasons right and they and and are they wrapping up season two now that's what i was trying to figure out yeah close
1: yeah, season two. They're going to have a big um, Vegas uh, matchup, and I've been watching some of the official um, televised uh, showings of the the matches, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which has been pretty interesting because the the funny thing is, is just as as you play in regular matches, and people will troll those matches, people troll in the uh, the the um, tournament matches, which I think is kind of weird and kind of dumb, right? So it, it's it's weird if you watch what? the tournament. Well, I was that... going to
0: say the, the the matches have been reportedly been having between one and two million people watching.
1: I know, right? Isn't that
0: crazy? Yes, and uh, the pot for the season two is about three million dollars.
1: What do you mean three million dollars? Like they the, made... the
0: winner? The winner? No, the winner will get three million dollars.
1: Okay, that's wow. insane.
0: Yes, yeah,
2: that is.
1: All right, uh, JJ. We need to step up our game. All right, I guess I guess, <laughs> exactly. it'll be, I guess it's not just three million;
0: it's going to be divided amongst the the highest rank. But yeah, it's three million dollars that is going to be dispersed out to the top teams there.
1: Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought first first place was one million, and then the yeah, other two was, was
2: you know the rate, but yeah.
1: But that's that's a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, crazy. I can't think of any other competitive game that's had a purse that large.
2: Even divided by the five of us, I mean, that's still a lot of money.
1: Well, that would be like, you know, that would be more than a year's worth of income there, you know. And, and, you know, if we just drop everything we're doing right now, you know, quit (laughs) our jobs. Oh, there you go. (laughs) If we just play League of Legends constantly, we just need to pick up a fifth person.
0: You heard it here first. One (laughs) of the things that I wanted to mention also related to League of Legends, one of the things that I love about the Internet and love about all these geek hobbies specifically is all of the stuff that goes around the hobby itself. Because League of Legends has a huge, huge, huge fan community, talented fan community, and they do like great, great fan art. They do fan music videos. They do awesome parodies. In the mu- music episode, I played one of my favorites about Caitlyn, one of the one of the characters there called No Teleport. I love those things. And um, they actually have this little thing called the Summoner Showcase every week, where they'll 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 like talk about the the best things of uh, that the fans have done for League of Legends of that week, which is very cool. Um, and I just love that kind of fan enthusiasm for these activities.
1: The other thing I think they're really good about is communicating with their audience. Um, along with the Summoner Showcase, they also release regular um, YouTube videos talking about patches coming up. And they specifically address changes in the patches, and they tell you why they're making changes. So if like a champion's getting nerfed... They'll show you the nerfs that are coming, and then they'll explain to you why they're doing the nerfs, right? Such-and-such such had was getting too many spikes on their crits at low levels, so we're dropping crit chance by X percentage and blah, 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 blah. So I think it's a great insight into the developer's thinking behind making these tweaks because they recognize that it's a competitive game, so they're constantly having to balance it. But they don't do it in a vacuum. By being very transparent with that, I think it does a lot to earn them respect and um, devotion from their audience, right? So, have they nerfed Warwick yet? Well, Warwick just got I'm Warwick just, was up. Yeah, he, right. I saw, I saw Warwick. Warwick. Yeah, I saw I saw BJ playing Warwick a couple of days ago. So <clears throat> it was vicious too. I had the most kills. Mostly Matt usually has the most kills, or JJ. I have the most assists usually. Yes, you do. You have tons of assists, or you steal steal your kills with Sona. So,
0: Sorry. Ellie and Rake, what what have your what have your what has your experience been like?
3: I have played mostly with uh, my brother's friends, who are significantly better than me, and just kind of need a fifth person either to make the queue or to make like a good practice session. So, I have a very tag-along experience with League of Legends. Um, and I'd say. Maybe. Yeah, probably last summer I was playing a ton because I was off work for the summer and they were on tons of random hours. Like somebody would take a lunch break and play a game. And so they'd always be like, hey, we need one more. I'm like, great, I'm in. So last summer I got I felt like passable. I'm like, "Okay," like I'm not holding them down in any way. And I played a lot of different characters Um, then the school year came and I kind of backed pretty far off. So now whenever I join in, I just play Sona. I hang back. I heal a lot. And I'm happy to be there.
1: In my still- experience, is pretty similar. I want to go back just a moment. I'm sorry, Rick. Ellie, do you steal a lot of kills as Sona also?
3: I steal some. I try really hard not to because, like, I get sort of what's going on there and, like, I'm not supposed to be doing that. Um,
1: it's hard, but, though. Yes,
3: It's hard. It's hard not to.
1: <laughs> Sona's got that powerful, like, unintentional missile that she does every once in a while. Yep, so. yep. So I'm sorry, Rick. Back. Uh, what were you saying?
4: Uh, just in my experience, is fairly similar. Uh haven't played that much real recently. Played a lot around that same time. Uh, again, rather piggybacking off some other people. We were largely people they knew were not jerks, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, actually, that, that's the group that I also have played with the most, is Ellie's brother's friends, I believe is what it is.
3: <laughs> exactly. It,
0: is, is your brother one of them? I actually don't no, even know that. No, he doesn't play. <laughs> Which is kind of funny, yeah. yeah. So, I, mean, I think uh, he
3: played a little bit when they all first started playing two or three years ago. I forget. Yeah, 2009-ish probably. Um, he played a little, little bit, but but he barely does it all anymore.
1: And I think for us, League of Legends has become the go-to in-between game,
0: right? Right. Yep. <laughs>
1: yep. So, it seems like. if there's nothing major that we're playing... So here's a great example. We've been playing Diablo, and Diablo, to be honest, did not live up to our expectations. Um, I predicted it would last... A month. Um, it looks like it's lasted about three weeks, and I mean, I have been logged on to it for the last week. How about you, JJ? Have you logged on to it anytime recently? I
2: Well, I have a problem, um, and I'm going to share it with everybody. Uh, I've been addicted to Diablo 2 since it came out. I actually helped beta test that one as well. Um, they, they signed me up for the beta for this one, too, and so yeah, I'll stick with uh, Diablo three for quite a while, probably. So I've been I've been sneaking it in Diablo three uh, when you're not looking, BJ.
1: Oh, okay, <laughs> all sneaky like that. Gotta watch you. Right and I I I have enjoying it. I haven't
0: gone I haven't even beat the game yet though because I just haven't had any time to play. So I've I jump in other people's games that are like two or three times my level, which is actually kind of fun. Uh you really learn your defensive powers that way. Yeah. But uh <laughs> but uh I just yeah, I just haven't had time. So it'll 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 last a while for me but just because I haven't had like that dedicated multiple hours of time to play it. Plus there's all kinds of people I know from around the country that I haven't talked to significantly in, like, years. And they're like, hey, here's my Diablo 3 attack. I'm like, holy cow, where have you been? <laughs> and, yeah, and played with them. So that's been a lot of fun, too. As the game, you know, it's an awful lot like Diablo 2, but I liked Diablo 2, so...
2: Yeah, and I'm finding the same thing, too, as a lot of my old Diablo 2 friends are on still. Right. And right. and they don't, they're not having as much time to play as I did, so they're way far behind me in levels and stuff. So I'm making different characters and playing with them. Unfortunately, Diablo 3 doesn't have a good playing with people that are higher level than you, Mechanic, so... What, what uh, do you mean? I have do you se- teach- <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, well, I mean, if you're high level and you play with a low level, they're not getting any experience and you're not getting much anything worth out of it. So, anyway, uh, I have several characters.
0: You do get that res, uh, that res achievement really fast, though.
2: <laughs> yes, that's true.
0: Ellie and Rick, how about you?
3: We haven't played it a bunch. We beat it the first time and I forget how far we in on our second play. I tend to play, I I play a lot of games and I love playing games, but I play them on ease mode. It's like I run through and smash things. That's why I play video games. I'm not looking for a challenge. So I really can't see myself playing on like the hardest difficulty setting, but we're probably going to play it the second level through.
4: Yeah. We we like it because uh, we can play it together is, is a lot of it and it's nice cooperative Game again?
0: Yeah, that's 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 another thing too. It's actually a game that I that I've gotten to play with Holly some, and that's been pretty cool.
3: Yeah, and like you said, it's awesome to have friends jump in and out of games all the time.
2: Yeah, and I'm real interested to see what they do with the PvP if they actually implement it sometime in the next year.
1: And there's nothing wrong with playing a, a game on, on easy mode. I know my wife likes to play on easy mode simply because she likes to enjoy the story and then feel like a badass as she's kicking everyone's butt across the <laughs> screen. Diablo three is good at making you feel like a badass. Yes, oh yeah, as you're just just hacking through waves and waves of guys <laughs> and stuff like that, and you're like, I can't die.
2: And then, especially as the barbarian,
1: especially I mean, there's, there's yeah.
2: body parts and pieces of. A barrel flying everywhere.
1: I realize as the Barbarian, I knock things across the screen quite more than other classes do. So, And then, like, I've been playing Max Payne 3, and that game is so hard, I've had to drop the difficulty down on it just because I die over and over again, and it gets frustrating. So, nothing wrong with that. All right. Well, I think that's just about it. Um, Any other closing comments on that one? Questions, comments, or concerns on uh, the the MOBA game environment? I'm good. All right. So um, I want to thank all of our guests for coming on, Ellie, Rick, and JJ. Um, I know it was kind of thrown together a little bit um, quickly at random, but we did want to get a, um, a bit more perspective on some of these things um that we brought up today and, and i think we're going to try and do more guests um in
0: the future yeah thank you all very very much and, and hopefully we can have you on someday to talk about i think we threw out the at least two or three topics that we'd love to have you all on back just in this episode and we'll
1: definitely think of some more
4: sounds good thanks for inviting us yeah yeah thanks for having me
1: anytime so um carlos uh what do you want to highlight for next time or do you want to keep it a mystery for next time
0: Well, I will be heading back to Austin within the next couple of days, so I'm probably going to have to uh, think about... I'll have about a five-hour drive to think about it, so I'll I'll get back to you on that soon.
1: And then what I want to cover for next time, and this is something my my buddy Tom has been really kind of hammering on a bit, and and he's right. Um, I want to talk about some of the online tools available for Dungeon Masters um, for running uh, tabletop games, right? Because for the most part... Uh, we think of tabletop games of, of being a bit, you know, sealed in, in their environment that you play at the tabletop with what you have—the books, the pen, and the paper. But there's a lot of very good tools out there nowadays for running your tabletop games that can make things a bit easier. Um, and also, these tools can be used online for playing uh, the play-by-post campaigns and stuff like that. Things like Map Tools and um, Orokos, which is an online dice roller. I Play 4E, which is an online character. Um, manager that will use like the character files from uh, the character builder and for Dungeons and Dragons. So uh, I want to kind of dip into this a little bit, and all of it's designed to just make your campaigns run a little bit smoother and yeah. to make life a little I've...
0: easier. Right. And when I could, because uh, one of the bad things about D&D Next is now they no longer let you use their parties. But I used to play on Google Hangouts uh, when when I was doing the playtest, And Google Hangouts, people are actually making some really interesting tools for tabletop gaming on that. So, yeah, very cool subject. Looking forward to talking about it.
1: Very cool. Well, I think that'll be it for us today. Yeah. Thank you all again for, for coming.
3: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you, everybody, for listening.
1: Uh, you can reach us at uh, podcast at comingoutofthebasement dot com or cotb one on Twitter. And you can find us at comingoutofthebasement dot com. All right, everyone, have a great day! Thank you very much. Thanks a lot.